Welcome back to another Untitled Sundance Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. How about you? Well, it's uh, day 300 at uh, <laughs> the Sundance Film Festival. I shouldn't complain. I mean, it literally is only, what, like five days. So No, it is. I actually like the length of the festival, and it's felt like even the last two days are pretty chill. It's just like catch-up days, really. And yeah. I, I like, a, like I'm at, I think I'm at, you know, I don't know, 15 films or something like that. But like, um, I like that they doesn't feel like there's pressure that we need to watch, you know, like 50 films like we try to do during, you know, or 30 films during TIFF or something like that. But yeah, um, I've been having a good time, you know, just pacing it out and watching, you know, what we want to watch and hearing what's good. And I, what I what I found interesting about this festival, and obviously I, this is probably how it's always been, is a lot of the times it's their you know, movies you don't know much about. And we talked about this in our preview show um, of just kind of going in blind in a lot of these movies. And obviously on the repeat screenings, you can kind of understand based on the initial reviews on things like um, that, like what's good and what's not, or at least from a consensus side of things. But um, I found it very refreshing and kind of fun to just go into a movie you know, completely blind. Mind you, today's movie that we were reviewing, which is Shaka King's Judas and the Black Messiah, is probably the biggest movie of the festival, at least the most, I don't know, because it's playing on it. It's Warner Brothers, HBO Max. It's like a, you know, a big Oscar contender this year. Like, it's a big movie for Warner Brothers um, that's being released, you know, in a couple weeks on uh, on February 12th. But um, that being said, the festival has been kind of fun to just jump in blind um, to a lot of these things. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on that. Like it's it's fun to kind of um, pick and choose from a more curated list, and also kind of see what you know the next day kind of consensus is in terms of like, oh, should I add this to my schedule, or or, or should I you know think about seeing something that um, that's not on my radar, you know, like something that maybe is is hasn't really been seen by many people and, and, you know, give that an opportunity and, and some exposure, you know, while doing this afterwards, you know, and recording a, a review. I mean, obviously with, with Judas and the Black Messiah, it's going to be uh, covered and talked about and, and, you know, it, it'll be fine. It doesn't need, you know, every single podcast, film critic, you know, journalist talking about it in order for it to have the exposure that it deserves um, but it is nice, like, again, we were talking about, um, you know, prisoners of the ghost land to have something that traditionally feels more like a studio movie, um, in look and feel, but at its core is as revolutionary and as kind of indie sort of inspired, um, as the festival itself and as you know like filmmaking is and 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 i think shaka king um its direction is exceptional here and the script specifically i think smartly kind of toes the line between being a fred hampton biopic and a crime drama and yeah. actually sort of interweaving elements that are familiar in, you know, like movies like Donnie Brasco and The Departed, you know, like you undercover it, yeah. uh, sort of work, uh, whether it be an informant or, you know, an FBI agent or somebody going undercover and infiltrating it, but 
in this case, the 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 twist on that is is that the FBI is the bad guy because usually in these kind of movies, the police or you know the authoritarian figure you know in in representing the government is the one that is infiltrating you know the organized crime or the gang. But in this case, the roles are reversed, where we see you know. J. Edgar Hoover's G-Men and Chegg Hoover played by Martin Sheen in yeah. terrible uh, uh, makeup and, and, and prosthetics. His nose, his nose is awful. Yeah. Um, is basically like the, the figurehead and the representation of, you know, what was corrupt by the FBI at the time. And well, I even love your comparison to the departed and then the connection with Martin Sheen there too. Yeah. 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 Him being in both. I mean, uh, he doesn't get thrown off a roof in, in this one, but he should have, uh, you know, Jay Aguru is a despicable human being. Um, but what is fascinating about this as well is that, I mean, a lot of people will be talking about, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya is incredible as Fred Hampton. I mean, there's been some discussion about his age because Fred Hampton was only, 21 when when he was assassinated um and daniel kaluuya is a little bit older than that so um but i don't daniel, think he's 10 years older than he's 10 that. years he's older 30, so yeah yeah he, he looks yeah. young though uh, but but like i don't think that really matters because the performance is so captivating and daniel kaluuya agree, is yeah. one of those guys that like you you look at the work he's already done with obviously get out and even sicario and the way that he sort of captivates an audience and sort of singles out people in the room when he's having these amazing speeches and delivering them to the masses about, you know, humanitarianism and sort of working alongside other organizations that you might not necessarily agree with, but to do it for the greater good and, you know, to unite people that otherwise wouldn't be united against, you know, the pigs, which is the, the police, because that is the main enemy of the of, of the film, is perfect casting because he is just that force of nature in this movie, that bigger than life personality. But he still also has a human element to it that he's not just creating, you know, a caricature. He's not doing just an impersonation. You know, mm-hmm. he can give those big speeches, but he also has those little moments as well. But the the performance that kind of blew my mind in this movie was Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, dude, he's so good. He is so subtle. Um, and it's his, it's, it's his character's story. So, so will, um, it's will O'Neill, right? Will yeah, o- will, yeah. William O'Neill. Yeah. William O'Neill. Um, as we see him and as we're introduced to him, we, um, there's a documentary footage at the end of the movie and recreation of documentary footage to kind of intro the film. And that reminded me a little bit actually of, of David O. Russell's The Fighter, where like they incorporated um, the HBO documentary, documentary style, yeah. style stuff in there. And you see a guy who clearly has his demons and has lived with guilt and regret, and regret ever since the, the events of, yeah. you know, becoming a black Panther member in the late 1960s, early seventies and working for the FBI to go undercover and gather information to report back and working directly for uh, Jesse Plemons is FBI agent and their relationship is amazing. But Jesse Plemons ultimate shitbag in yeah. <laughs> a lot of movies. Yeah. But great at it. Like he's yeah, so good he's at being a shitbag. Yeah. But going back to Lakeith Stanfield, what I love about that performance is like it's so introspective and internalized and 
like he starts off as this would be car thief impersonating FBI and police officers to steal cars, which is how he gets on their radar, right? Yeah. Gets caught and becomes a black Panther member. And, you know, again, like these narratives happen. He sort of befriends Fred Hampton and sees the black Panthers, not just as, you know, a, a quote unquote uh, malicious group or, or or a dictatorship or something that's threatening, you know, the government. He sees them as a charity and as you know a, a community based um, organization that wants to help and give back. And and yeah. and you know, from that we see you know his change of 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 heart. But again, in a very subtle way, it's not like. Oh man, I've got to I've got to do things and 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 help them. It's like he's still kind of looking out for himself and trying to like, you know, well, keep out of prison. Just to jump in, like I totally agree with you. I think Lakeith Stanfield's uh, performance is fantastic, and and the the first thing I noticed right away is even even from the filmmaking side of things too. Like uh, the movies, obviously, there are some showy moments in it, but I do feel like it is still restrained in in a sense where it trusts its audience to kind of understand what it's saying or how it's representing the FBI or the police versus the Black Panthers and things like that. And like even that first moment where um uh William O'Neill gets like uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character gets arrested and, and and I mean you see Jesse Plemons, Roy Mitchell come in to you know interrogate him. And even that moment of him stealing the car and hearing the police come after him and then it cuts to the interview and like they don't show the arrest or anything like that. Right. But you see him bloodied up and you can just be like, Oh, he got beaten up by these police officers that arrested him. Right. And then that like throughout the whole movie, like it's never very in your face about it, but you understand that, you know, he's being taken advantage of being, you know, vulnerable in his situation. Uh, He was desperate and he was stealing cars and things like that. And like, and then the FBI preying on this, you know, vulnerable, you know, black man and kind of manipulating him of going, you know, you, you're going to go to jail unless you do this for us. Right. Like it's not even really his choice. It is his choice, but I mean, he's kind of forced into this situation um, by the FBI. And I just thought that was like, and then throughout the movie, he plays that so well in what you're saying of this struggle, this internal struggle of, you know, actually kind of maybe believing in a lot of the stuff that the Black Panthers are doing or or understanding where they're come from. Maybe he doesn't agree with everything, obviously, but um, just that internal struggle that, you know, Stanfield showcases throughout the whole movie i just thought he was excellent and then that you know comparison to how the fbi is treating him and how roy mitchell's treating him and manipulating him and 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 forcing him to do these things not even manipulating but just basically saying like almost holding a gun to his head and say you better fucking do this or or you know you know what's going to happen and i thought that was really interesting yeah just the way he even coughs or clears his throats or has these kind of nervous ticks. Yes. It's, yeah. It's like he's so close to exposing himself or wanting to confess or just wanting it to be over, but he but feels like he can't, he can't because he knows what his fate will be. And every time he feels like he's done what is required of him, it's not enough, you know, like the FBI continues to use him and abuse him. And, um, yeah, like I, what you're talking about where, you know, you don't see him being beaten or, you know, it's just shown the a- afterwards, like it's not spoon feeding you. And and yeah. I think visually speaking, um, you know, 
they're working. It reminded me a little bit of Steve McQueen, the way that, you know, like hunger. Yeah, I agree completely. Specifically. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, it's shot by, uh, Sean Bobbitt. Sean Bobbitt, who's Steve McQueen's regular cinematographer. So, you know, like this movie looks amazing as well. And it has these moments where like you find these beautiful shots throughout that are just not only gorgeously lit, but abstracted what you wouldn't consider in kind of this kind of movie, the same way that you watch widows and you're like, Oh wow. Like there's, there's something being said here. I mean, it's more overt obviously in this movie than it is in widows um, because widows is playing it first as a thriller and second as, as you know, social political commentary where it's the opposite where this is social political, but there are thriller elements underlining it and making totally, it kind of yeah. quote like palatable for a wider audience um, and a wider audience. Um, Fair. But but this but this movie really does have so much to say without force feeding you and also just telling it in a really interesting way. Now there are there is the the postscript that we've always talked about. I mean, it's funny because again, you know, the postscript in the Trial of the Chicago Seven goes on forever, and there is a mention to Bobby Seal in this as well. Um, someone that was wrongfully uh, arrested and put on trial and you know, Fred Hampton was, was a part of that story as well. And, and part of that other narrative. So this is um, a much better movie than trial. Oh, a hundred percent. But I just, I just yeah. think like, oh, I, just, I know, I know you're not saying that. I just no, wanted no, no. to say the that connection though. I think, think is interesting just in terms of like, you have these two movies where, you know, they're about sort true of stories, about- true stories about, you know, counter countercultures being repressed and fighting back and sort of, you know, taking on the government in, in in a peaceful manner, but the government trying to sabotage them and, you know, basically kill the head of these organizations. Because, like, again, Fred Fred Hampton was assassinated. So, you know, like, it's, it's pretty clear that that's what happened. And the movie makes no bones about it. It's, you know, that's that's exactly how it plays out. And, and the movie, you know basically holds the U S government and the FBI and law enforcement in general, uh, to the flames. And I think, you know, at a moment where we are, I think this movie is even more potent and powerful. And again, you know, we're two white guys talking about this and what the fuck do we know? You know, like, yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk about the filmmaking and things like that. And I still think that like, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I, I do think the movie, it obviously does a much better job than you know the other one we're talking about but just um from those performances we talked about uh you and talked Dominic about fishback we should just quickly mention as yeah. well um as as uh Deborah johnson um uh fred hampton's girlfriend and then wife is also just gives a really subtle and nuanced performance it's very haunting Agreed. and very expressionistic on her face like you can tell that there's just so much stress that you know she loves this man, but she's also afraid and aware of everything that he is going to give, which includes his life. Like she knows yeah. that like, he's That's ultimately to probably what, yeah. Give the ultimate sacrifice and like yeah, what that yeah. means. Yeah. And you said, I mean, Stanfield does that as well. And I remember the reveal of him being at that first black Panther, you know, talk with the big speech by Fred Hampton, like it pans to him. And I just thought that was such a great, kind of thing to show him getting integrated into you know uh 
the Black Panthers. And like, um, yeah, you talked about the cinematography being fantastic. I want to give a shout out to um, the title sequence is fantastic. Uh, the music is incredible. I thought the use of score and, and soundtrack, I thought, um, was fantastic. It's very bombastic and um it uses like not it's sort of jazzy, but in this very aggressive kind of way. Um, and I really, really dug the music. I made sure to write that down being like, I just, as it's introducing scenes and different things like that, like I just loved the use of music in this. Yeah. Um, So Craig Harris and, uh, Mark, uh, Isham are the, uh, uh, Isham are the two composers. Yeah. I I don't know if you're on the same page as me there, Eric, but like, I just thought the music was uh, excellent in the movie as well. Yeah. It adds a layer of tension and suspense to certain scenes as well. And again, like, I think it is kind of playing both the kind of crime thriller aspects of it, but also sort of, you know, the importance of who Fred Hampton was to, you know, the Black Panthers and to what a revolution is and what the definition of that means and especially in America and like it's interesting as well like I keep thinking about this a lot because of you know the last few years and obviously especially with the US with you know being under the Trump administration and what political protest means if like it feels like in like the 60s and 70s protesting meant more than what it became later on like in the 80s 90s and in 2000s and and maybe some of it's come back and sort of has meaning to it but it wasn't just like protesting for protesting sake or like just protesting every little thing like what was being protested at this time was something that was important and and actually needed to be not only in the conversation in the media in you know government you know, legislation and regulation and, and, you know, representation, but it also needed to be a part of, you know, the human consciousness, the, the, the social consciousness. And again, like now I feel like it is coming back a little bit where like political protest means something a little bit more, especially, you know, almost having to go back in time, really. It's like, have we, have we really kind of progressed in any true manner because yeah maybe the times have changed but it still feels like you know the every every inch you move every kind of point you make to the next level or to the next place isn't enough and this is what that movie kind of also kind of shows is like the things that fred hampton fought for you know are things that are still being fought for uh now you know, they might have yeah. different names or they might have different meanings or they might have different. And that's why movies like this are important. Right. And I yeah. feel like when you make them and balance that fine line of not just being, you know, the general, general kind of biopic kind of thing that people either tune out or it feels conventional or things like that. Like this movie does a really great job of being, you know, commercial, but also telling a great, you know, important true story. And and mind you, maybe they take some, you know, creative liberties and things like that to make it, you know, more of that crime thriller and things like that. But I feel like the message is still there and, and what it's trying to say is still there. And they tell it in a very engaging way with some fantastic performances, some great cinematography, some great direction, some great music. So yeah, I really think the movie all around is, is, is quite good. And one of the best things at the festival, um, I, um, I really, really dug it. And, um, um, I, I can't wait for people to see it. It's going to be released February 12th on HBO Max in the US. It'll be a premium VOD 
here in Canada for $30. Pretty pricey, but um, if you split that with your you know, partner, significant other, uh, family that you live with or something like that i definitely think it's worth uh the price of admission so i i'm i'm gonna give the movie a um a four out of five i really really enjoyed it same i'm also gonna give it a, a four out of five and and the more i think about it the more i really do uh, like same. it and yeah. um shout out also to the uh the lucas brothers who have a story credit uh on yeah. the film it's it's it, it amazes me because like i mean the thing i know them for the most is is obviously like 22 jump street you know yeah um but you know they started out as like writers at, at award circuit uh you know working with clayton uh davis and and you know contributing there and you know now they're you know they're great they're comedians their, too they're very funny yeah and now they're you know getting credit for this amazing movie that's been put together so like that's that's just awesome that's fantastic yep yeah. uh thank you all for listening please go check out the rest of our sundance coverage right here on untitled movie reviews uh please go subscribe to our other two podcasts over at untitled movie podcast and untitled movie conversations uh drop us a review on those three shows if you would be so kind we'd really appreciate that uh follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast and as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitled moviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. You can kill a revolutionary, but you can't kill uh, a, a revolutionary. revolutionary. <laughs> Damn <laughs> you it. Might, you might have messed that up, but we got we the yeah. sentiment was there, Eric. Yes. We yeah. Fred Hampton, it. the story continues.